0: To bet to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
1: Trista Crick, Nick Ashew tonight. We got pounding rain going on. If you're anywhere in the Northeast, hunker down. Stay safe. It's, uh, it's wild. I'm really – Trista, how are you on snow? Are you a fan of snow?
0: I like snow a lot better than I like rain. Say that.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I'm thinking about this right now. And if this was snow, yeah, it would be – The storms we got going on, we'd all be locked down for a while. It would just – you would be going anywhere. It's been intense, to say the least, so.
0: I'm not mad at that.
1: No, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Big time, big time college basketball night tonight. A lot of games going on, and obviously now now that college football is done, doesn't it kind of feel like – Like, obviously, we're paying attention to it, but now our minds can kind of shift, because I'll be honest with you, I only got so much bandwidth. I got to sit here and pay attention to the NFL. We got the NBA. We got college football and all the bowl games, and then we get to the point where, oh, yeah, there's also college basketball. I feel like now we can kind of shift our brain a little bit and get a little bit more into the college basketball season and dig in, and there's nobody better to focus in on everything when it comes to college basketball than our buddy Jim Root, who joins us once again here now. And look, we got a lot of games. I want to just start with the games going on or the games up later tonight, because there's quite a few actually in terms of ranked teams. Of course, we got the uh, the BYU-Baylor game going on later tonight too. So first off, just what do you like tonight? What are some of the games that interest you before we kind of dig down on what's gone on over the last week in College Hoops?
2: Oh, I'm super curious about that BYU-Baylor game. There's some fun uh, yeah. little dynamics with that, with with BYU being their first Big 12 road game, their 0-1 to start league play. Meanwhile, Baylor's opening their brand-new arena. I guess they played Cornell. Uh, they've got one game under their belts there, but this is the Big 12 opener for the new Foster mm-hmm. Pavilion, so there's that element to it. Um, I generally like Baylor there. Um, I probably would have cut off what I'd take it at, at minus 4, um, it's up to four and a half most places. So dicier value there if you're going you're gonna to join on that. But uh, I just think the athleticism is going to bother BYU. They really struggled to get easy shots against Cincinnati. They, they took 18 twos and 10 free throws compared to 46 threes. It just felt like their offense was rushed, uncomfortable against a very athletic team. And Cincinnati's a better interior defense than Baylor is, but I still think there's going to be some issues translating over to that first game on the road here, first road game outside the state of Utah for BYU. So I, I do like Baylor there. Uh, Price is a little dicier now, but I, I like the Bears hosting them.
0: Duke plays tonight at Pitt. Uh, the thing that I want to ask you about is Duke's Mark Mitchell because he's averaged 22-10 and 10 last week. Ridiculous. 15 for 22 from the field. Like, Do you think he's the difference maker if Duke wants to make a legit run?
2: he's certainly one of them and a big one. I think they thought they were going to get a much better, more developed Mark Mitchell, especially on the offensive end Uh, coming off last year, you know, former five-star recruit played a lot and was a key contributor. And really his absence was a big part of why they lost to Tennessee in the NCAA tournament. Then this year he's been real shaky on the offensive end early, uh, really has the yips from beyond the arc. His, his motion is really hitchy. It's, it doesn't look smooth, but you get him in that mid range area or on the offensive glass or as a cutter, where Tyrese Proctor found him a bunch of times cutting last game, he's pretty devastating there because he's a strong, tough finisher. He's left, he's a little unorthodox with the way he gets it up to the rim. And I think that that, that throws teams off and helps him draw fouls. He's actually a pretty decent free throw shooter for somebody that that cannot shoot from beyond the arc. So yeah, getting more from him offensively where they're not playing sort of four on five And of course he's always a terrific defender multi-positional on that end he gives them quite a bit of of an edge if he's playing well and this this pit matchup's odd because pit has not been very good against their their toughest competition they already lost at home to clemson they lost at home to mizzou especially mizzou a a really shaky loss at this point for for a a home court situation there but duke's been bad on the road Uh, they lost to georgia tech on the road right after tyrese proctor got hurt in the first minute uh, they lost at Arkansas, who just got blown out at home by Auburn. Not a not a great team this year, so Duke's got to prove it on the road. Even that effort at uh, at Notre Dame over the weekend was not that good. So I, I've seen that that price tick down below five in a lot of places, and I think it kind of makes sense. Uh, I did not bet that game, but uh, I'm wary of Duke on the road right now.
1: So Houston is the last unbeaten team in Division One. Is this the best team in college basketball, though?
2: i i don't think so I, I love houston but i'm still gonna go with purdue i'll give the nod to purdue um, they lost that tough road game at northwestern came right down to the wire i think it was an overtime game if i remember right uh whereas houston's only played one road game before tonight i was at xavier a, a team that's down two starters since the beginning of the season and they struggled it was their worst offensive output of the game or of the season only time below one point per possession and now I'm, I got it on behind me here. Houston got down 14-0 pretty quickly against Hilton Magic in Iowa State there. It's 20-8 to eight now. I think they're getting a little bit of taste of life on the road in the Big 12. Might take some acclimation process. And just their style, the way they disrupt defensively, I think is great as a big favorite at home. Uh, but it's it might be a little tougher against teams that can handle that pressure and, and be patient and work for better shots against their defense. You know, when you talk about Purdue, how much
1: has Zach Eadie improved from last year to this year? Tristan and I were talking about this last week. Zach Eadie's now looked at as a potential lottery pick in the NBA. And last year, we're looking at a guy going, hey, he's going to be really good playing over in Greece or something somewhere.
2: Yeah, I, I think last year he had the reputation of, of just big. And that, that was like what he was yeah. good at. And I don't think it was true last year. I think he had pretty good touch for a big man. Uh, the footwork was solid. And for a seven, four guy, for him to make, like, 75% from the free throw line is kind of unheard of. Like, you just can't hack him. He, he, yeah. can, he can knock those down. They're not free possessions. Uh, but I think where he's really improved is some of that more nuanced stuff. The footwork's really solid. Uh, he's great at avoiding fouls on the defensive end. I know this kind of rubs some of their opposition fan bases the wrong way, but he's terrific at maintaining verticality, which is not easy to do. Uh, and I think he's a little better defending in space against pick-and-rolls. Like, you know, he's he's never going to be a, a switch-it-all, you know, s- step out on the perimeter and take a guard. But in a drop coverage, if a guy's coming at him, he's not giving up straight-line drives to the rim. He's making it difficult. And, of course, he's so long that you can't finish over him. you got to shoot a tough floater or a pull-up. And they build their defense around that. So uh, combined with the incredible production on the glass and on the offensive end, I think he's actually a, very much a net positive defensively, too. He's every bit the National Player of the Year right now. It's going to be tough for somebody to unseat him.
0: Is what we're seeing from guys like Chet Holmgren, Victor Wim and Yama, you know, long se- guys over seven foot who can do a little bit of everything, is that, do you think, affecting Zach Eadie's draft stock, finding a way for these GMs to say, okay, I see we need to counter these big men with one of our own?
2: Yeah, maybe a little bit. They want to dominate the rim, especially defensively. I think that the value of rim protection is just so, so high uh, in the NBA because you've got you know, to extend to the three-point line. There's a, Everybody's shooting them now. That opens up driving gaps a little bit, so you're either going to give up layups or if you've got somebody as big as Edie, can you deter those attempts a little bit, force guys to pull up short and take those inefficient mid-rangers, of course, he doesn't quite measure up to the offensive skill level of Wembenyama or Holmgren. He's never going to bring the ball up the floor or take a step back three or a runner from 18 feet like Wembanyama's thrown out these days. Uh, but he does have, you know, a, a skill set offensively that I think especially as like a reserve sixth or seventh man, you can play through him against backup bigs and he's going to score really efficiently he might not hold up in some of the toughest you know, highest level he might not be a playoff player in the conference finals where everybody can really pick on mismatches but he's going to be a positive contributor in the nba i think walker kessler is probably a pretty solid comp for him just the way he's a beast offensively finishing and and taking away the rim on the other end
1: talking to jim root bet mgm tonight uh, are we at rock bottom now for ucla or can this thing
2: get worse Gosh, I I wish I could say for sure this was rock bottom, but the <laughs> offense is terrible. It's so bad. They keep trying to change things up. Last game they switched up their point guard situation between Sebastian Mack and Dylan Andrews. That didn't work at all. They got down in a, a hole early. I don't think they scored for the first five minutes. And then of course you have the off court stuff with McCronin skipping the press conference. And you know when he goes to press conferences he throws his players under the bus. It, it, it's it's pretty ugly. And I was listening to some speculation today about like will they just let him go in the off season if he wants to be at louisville and is this a complete sinking ship and and maybe it's best they part ways it's kind of a a stunning collapse you know just three years ago he's in the final four and it seems like he's got UCLA completely on the rise but out in la you can't score 53 a game and and be bad you have to be good or entertaining or both and that team is neither right now
0: I uh, go on Memphis radio every week, Jim, and obviously the Grizzlies right now are not a team that anybody cares about. So it's all about Memphis basketball. Uh, Javon Quinterly looks really good, the transfer. What do you like about what they're doing right now?
2: Uh, Yeah, they just pulled that one out uh, on Sunday against SMU, who actually might be the third-best team in the league. Uh, Memphis and and FAU – against SMU, excuse me. Uh, Memphis and FAU, I think, have have, uh, differentiated themselves atop the American in mean, Memphis, the, the first thing everybody's going to say about them is they're old, and it's because they are. It's a lot of, like, 23-, 24-year-olds. I think their starting lineup is older than Oklahoma City, which is insane, uh, the NBA team. They've got a lot of fifth-year veteran transfers, guys that have been around the block. Uh, Naquan Tomlin, they just added him from Kansas State, uh, made a name for himself in the NCAA tournament last year with some highlight, highlight reel dunks. He's very mobile. He's put up some big numbers already for them. He's just getting acclimated. You add that to David Jones, who's been a prolific scorer. Quinterly, as you mentioned, is kind of running the show and keeping things steady there. And I think Penny Hardaway is a tremendous defensive coach. And You can kind of nitpick at the way they value offensive possessions, but defensively, they're always super sound, and they've got the athletes to, to be switchy or to take away the rim. They can play differently and make it really, really uncomfortable for opposing offenses. So, yeah, Memphis, I think, is a team that, because they're in the American, they might fall off people's radar a little bit. They don't play FAU until like mid to late February, uh, so it's not going to be headlined that way. But come the NCAA tournament, they're going to be a really tough out, as they have been the last two years against two teams that ended up, you know, pretty darn solid in FAU and, and Gonzaga the year before.
1: So I was kind of digging in the futures market over at BetMGM earlier today, and I saw that Rutgers is the favorite to have the fewest Big Ten wins this year they're two to one then it's Michigan at plus 325 Penn State at four to one Maryland at plus 450 does this end up being Rutgers or can any one of those teams overtake them as the worst team in the Big Ten
2: boy I I would have said Penn State but they just stole that one against Michigan uh, and that gets them up to two now because they already knocked off Ohio State their defense is abysmal but the, the offense has found ways to score and uh, maybe the defense improves. I think they have a really good coach in Mike Rhodes, so he can figure that out. It, Rutgers strikes me as a, a little bit of a surprising favorite because they've got such a good home court advantage. Uh, but if they drop it tonight to Indiana, I, I think then you, you really start to to take a look at them as probably the worst team. I, I think the the nuclear crisis scenario could be Michigan. Uh, they don't seem to know wh- what they're doing on either end of the floor, especially the coaching situation is odd. I mean, they were already below 500 and, and winless in the Big Ten, and Juwan Howard hands over the coaching reins to Phil Martelli for some nostalgia play because they were in Philly. That was really odd to me, and you know, coaches emphasize different things, even if they're on the same staff. I think Michigan has a chance to, to really have a, a bad, bad season where they end up moving on from Howard at the end of the year. And uh, it, it, That's the nightmare, and maybe that's the plus odds I would bet in that market.
0: How did it go down so fast ever since they lost to UCLA in the Elite Eight? Because it looked like that program was on the rise, and then you look up, and like you said, because that was a question that I had circled that I wanted to ask you, and you just jumped right into it perfect. But like, it feels like I don't understand how the disaster was built.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's odd because I, a couple of years back, it was like, wow, home run hire, the alum comes home, one of the few NBA guys that takes over and, and does well immediately. And now looking back, like was part of that, some of the carryover from John Beeline's players, who was a really tremendous coach and left guys with with pretty good discipline principles there. and was Martelli a big part of it. You know, they started really strong early this year when Howard was away from the team with his heart issues. He's had clashes with support staff at the school, the, the strength coach earlier this year. He's had off court stuff and, and spats with opposing coaches. Obviously the uh, the hands thrown at Wisconsin staff at the end of that game a couple of years back. It, it just seems like there's a lot going on with the team. And, and last year he had his son trying to get points and, and look better for the N- NBA. Hunter Dickinson's his own personality. Like it, it just seems like there's been so much going on and he hasn't been able able to kind of circle the wagons around the locker room and make it us versus them it does seem like it yeah it's sinking and i'm surprised with how fast it got here considering two years ago i was given michigan coaching bumps up because like oh they've got howard i I better bump them up and now it's it's kind of the opposite
1: all right got about a minute or so here north carolina's won four straight we've Made our jokes, obviously, about Hubert Davis as a head coach. It's been a roller coaster for this team. Feels like the entire time that he's been there. Couple of losses, obviously, UConn and Kentucky. They beat Oklahoma when they're ranked seventh. Is this a team that you kind of see? They're a top-ten-ranked team right now. Do we look at them and say, ooh, maybe they've gotten better, or is it still kind of a paper tiger situation with North Carolina?
2: I'm buying. I'm buying North Carolina. Davis has got some some warts, I think, as a coach that scare me, but they're defending, and I think that is really the huge difference. Last year, they looked disinterested on that end at best sometimes lazy at worst Um, and now they're a lot more cohesive they're bought in they're they're winning road games with defense right now it's really impressive to see and I I have no questions about the offense with Baycott with Davis and Harrison Ingram has really emerged as like a skilled creator in the mid post at that 3-4 spot so yeah I think UNC is actually legit and a threat to win that ACC title here we go Jim Root three-man weave always good to talk to you man thanks for coming on Appreciate it. Thanks for having
1: me. Uh, the roller coaster that is college basketball, Trista. Uh, speaking of Michigan, uh, they are national champions in another sport, college football. We look back on that game and a wild one that we had last night and some of the early looks at the futures market for national titles. BetMGM the night.
0: It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.
2: San Bristol. biggest player of this defense tonight.
1: You have visualized this moment every single day for the
2: last year. How does reality compare? glorious that's all I can say I I just love my teammates so much I love my coaches it's bittersweet because this is going to be the last time we get to play together I love those guys so much it's just such a special group and no better way to end it no better way
0: we're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM BetMGM
1: Got to say, if you were a Michigan backer last night, or really anybody, I guess at this point, it was kind of a roller coaster. First quarter, you're like, oh, Michigan, here we go. Put up 14 points in the first quarter, Trista. And then we're sitting there going, scratching our heads like, why? Why are you not doing what you did before offensively? And then the fourth quarter hits, and Michigan breaks that thing wide open. They're national champions for the first time since 1997. It felt like a sweat for a while for us. Everything came out. If you were a Michigan fan, Michigan backer, didn't really matter. But we sit here now and we look at this and go, that whole program could look very different. Jim Harbaugh is in all kinds of NFL rumors, so he doesn't want to talk about it right now. But in the end, it was a game where Michigan looked in the first quarter, maybe the fourth quarter, the way we expected them to look. But in that middle, you just waited for Washington to go on that run, to go out there and break through that defense, and they just never did it.
0: Yeah, you were thinking that maybe they could crack things open and make it a real game. Ryan thought last night that Washington was actually going to win that game outright. It just felt like the momentum was for Washington. They were getting timely stops. You had J.J. McCarthy airing it out way too much. The truth of the matter is when they ran the damn ball, which is the Michigan way, they were pretty much unstoppable. Blake Corum, two TDs. Donovan Edwards, two TV two DDs, four TDs on the ground. so yeah, that was what they needed to do. I was sweating. We all have money on Michigan. And wasn't it exactly yeah. the way though, like the end score, exactly the way that we thought that it would be, is probably a route?
1: Yeah, it's just funny how, like, we had that whole middle spot where Washington could have changed things and then they never did. And then it felt like, like, didn't it feel like once we got to the fourth quarter, a little bit in the second half, but really once you got to the fourth quarter, Michigan woke up and was like, oh, yeah, wait, let's go back and look at what we did and what made this thing work from the beginning again.
0: Almost sneezed. Sorry. Didn't want to sneeze on the air. Did my very (laughs) best. Did my very best to keep it to myself. Yeah, no, and now I'm very curious to see what happens with Harbaugh moving forward and J.J. McCarthy moving forward. I Mm -hmm. think J.J.'s best move is to stay in college because there's too many good quarterbacks coming out this year. J.J. could probably lead this team to being top in the Big Ten again, at least being right in the mix. Uh, Ohio State's trying to make some moves. I don't really believe in them. I think it's really Washington, Oregon, some of the newbies that are coming into the Big Ten. But, yeah, Michigan, if they they keep J.J. McCarthy – they're going to be really tough
1: yeah it's if you're a jj mccarthy you look at this draft and like you said like there's a, you could have five quarterbacks drafted in the first round and we know The way quarterbacks are viewed in the NFL, a guy has a good workout. Maybe he's looked at as a second-round pick, creeps into the first round. This could be one of those situations where he's maybe lost in the shuffle a little bit. If he comes back to Michigan, you can take yourself to that next level, like Michael Penix Jr. did, right? Like Now he's worked himself into maybe being a top-ten pick in the NFL draft, even despite what happened in this national championship game. But there's one worry here. On the other side of things, if I'm J.J. McCarthy, I'm looking and going, is Jim Harbaugh coming back? If he's not, who's the head coach going to be? Does that change his role? Does that change the offense? Does that change the way that that coach is viewed? If it's somebody from within the program that still likes him the way Jim Harbaugh, I mean, loves the guy, calling him the best quarterback that Michigan's ever had, then he's in a good spot. So he does kind of have to weigh those two things, but I'm with you. I think I would make the choice, if I'm him, to come back for another year. Plus, we all know these guys are getting paid anyway. He's going to get all the NIL money. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's got plenty of opportunity to make money at Michigan. And in Ann Arbor, on a college campus, as a man of J.J. McCarthy's stature, he could go right into the Heisman mix, Mm -hmm. him and Jalen Milrow. So that's going to be, I think, a preferable decision if I'm him. Listen, maybe he wants – I don't know what the reason would be, really, to go to the NFL if I was J.J. McCarthy. I'm trying to find one. Uh, I can't find one.
1: I mean, I guess the only thing would be like, okay, you're leaving on top, right? You win the national title, you move on to the NFL, and you get your opportunity that way. So I just we're going to see more guys want to stay in college knowing that they're going to be the man, right? They're going to be the star there on campus, and you're going to still get paid probably seven figures. If you're a star quarterback at a major college football program moving forward, you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to not make NFL money, but you're going to make life-changing money still at, 21 22 years old so we may see more of these decisions as time goes on where it's a jj mccarthy or it's a quinn ewers or anybody else decides i'm going to stick around another year and then that puts that program in a position where they're going right back and they're running this thing back another time i mean right now george is the favorite next year plus at plus 350 to win the national title obviously very early odds plenty can still change uh, alabama's at plus 550 next then it's ohio state at eight to one and then it's michigan at nine to one and you know i I can't say whether or not they've factored in JJ McCarthy coming back or not in that price, but I'd wonder if he's officially announcing that he comes back to Michigan, if that 9 to 1 price for JJ or for Michigan to win the national title next year, if that shortens a little bit once he comes back.
0: I'm I'm certain that it would because at least you have in, in the college game, the quarterback is obviously so meaningful, you can't just switch him in and switch him out and think that everything's going to be the way that it was, even if you had all the other same personnel, right? Like we saw that many times in college football. We saw that with Alabama, right? Like you bring in Jalen Milrow, and then there's a quarterback controversy, and he sits, and then he's back. And it takes that team a lot of time to get that quarterback acclimated into that system. Versus like the NFL where it's a lot easier, right? So yeah, I think that matters. I think if you like JJ McCarthy to come back to Michigan, you probably like it. This is the best time, probably right now, to yeah. take Michigan at plus nine hundred. I like Alabama too. I think Jalen Milrow is going to be right in the middle of the of the Heisman race. He's probably going to be leading to start this thing. You know, I, at least the first three four weeks, I think he'll be right in the top of that mix. And listen, like, there's multiple guys coming back for Alabama that you thought might go to the NFL draft. So I like Alabama as well. Shocker.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and, and if you look, I know, I mean, well, that's the thing. Every year, right? You can't, you never count out Alabama. And we, we looked at them when they were ranked, what, eighth in the country? And we're like, yeah, they could probably be in the college football playoff. And they were in the college football playoff and Jalen Miller Miller Milrow good God if I could speak that would be nice Jalen Milrow is the favorite at least at one book at seven to one to win the Heisman and followed by Carson Beck Quint Ewers and then now your guy Dylan Gabriel at Oregon who's 10 to one then win the national title I mean that's the other thing you got guys transferring left and right and you Turn Oregon into this powerhouse of just like quarterback rehab, and it's just going to be quarterback after quarterback after quarterback going in there and then showing up. I mean, Dylan Gabriel and ten to one to win the to win the Heisman, and then Oregon at ten to one to win the national title. It just I love what this has created for college football, and on top of that too, like we're going to have a twelve team playoff next year, so it's not going to be this eye test that we've been doing right now where Florida State gets thrown out because they don't have their quarterback out there anymore. And we've talked about that plenty on this show, and it is what it is at this. Point. But now it's going to be 12 teams. You're going to have teams farther down the list and Ole Miss and LSU and Clemson, all getting an opportunity to go and win that national title. It's created so much more parity. Guys are transferring. I actually love the state of college football and where it is now. I know we've lost some of the tradition. I know we lost an entire conference. And for you, I know it's near and dear to your heart with the Pac-12. I don't have that connection to the Pac-12, but I do hate seeing it disappear. But what I do know is big 10 games, more meaningful during the regular season. Uh, sec games more meaningful during the regular season and a 12 team playoff on top of that so we've got a very wide open race next year not only for heisman but also for the national title with a lot of really deep talented teams in college football
0: yeah i know i like that 10 to 1 for oregon i like this team man i like dan lanning i like what he's building i like how he has multiple quarterbacks waiting in the wings you got dante moore Mm -hmm. there who i don't know if he's throwing ten- temper tantrums or what, if he's going to be patient. <laughs> if anybody can calm him down, it's Dan Lanning. So, yeah, I, I think this is a good time to kind of look at these odds and say, all right, let me look at the transfer portal. Let me see who's coming back, who's going to the NFL, and then really take stock if you want to put some money really on ice till right now, right? Like you're-, you're talking about holding your money up for 12 months. You better You better take yeah. a long shot if you're going to do that.
1: Yeah, there's just no point in putting that on even Jalen Milrow at 7-1 to win the Heisman. But, I mean, it, it's it's tough to gauge anything this time of year. I think it's more just kind of interesting to see where the market is and kind of see where some of the money is right now. Like, over at BetMGM, the highest ticket percentage, I mean, is Georgia, 21%, Then it's Michigan at 13, and this is for next year. And surprisingly, Utah to win the national title, 10-1, to right? Or, sorry, uh, 10% of it is. And they're, I mean, Utah is way down there, so a lot of money coming in on Utah there. 80 to 1 right now, and yet for some reason 10% is on 10% of the money, or sorry, 10% of the tickets are actually on Utah to win the national title. Highest handle. Wow. Notre Dame at 48%. So, like, it's very early. There's only going to be a little bit of money going in on some of these teams. I don't really bet any – I don't really bet really anything in the futures market this early. I don't care what sport it is. There's just so many variables. There's so many different things that could still change, especially in in offseason. I know things have died down a little bit in college football. Guys could still transfer late. Guys could still decide they want to go somewhere else. I mean, it's just – it's a free-for-all right now. So, I personally would just stay away from the damn thing. But I really love what Oregon is doing. And I think that they have an opportunity opportunity next year to really go out there with a Dylan Gabriel who I I've I've really kind of been a fan of Dylan Gabriel over the last couple of years and thought really at Oklahoma he had a, a, a better shot at kind of elevating his status but now to go to Oregon and what they've been able to do I mean that's a team where you do kind of look at it and go 10 to 1 it feels more reasonable but it's not a massive price where you're like yeah do you want to hold your money up for essentially 12 months
0: yeah I'm looking at this graphic that's uh, on for the first overall pick Sort of like a college football NFL crossover, right? And like, I don't think you you shouldn't. I mean, like Caleb Williams minus six fifty, but Drake May at plus five hundred is really interesting for a two man race. If you are getting better than two to one, very interesting.
1: It's, it's yeah. College football. I mean, it really is. It's it's a it's a totally different game right now. I know traditionalists aren't gonna like it, and it's fine. But like, got. I'll put it this way: if guys were transferring every single year, I get a little sick of it. And we kind of got to the point with some were like, okay, Almost Dylan it. Gabriel, this is your third team. Yeah, like we're, we're right. Doesn't it feel like we're kind of right on the edge where you go, all right, let's that that there needs to be some. I think eventually we'll start to see some level of limits, whether it's on NIL, and they'll start to try to pull back on the transfer portal somewhat. But. I'll take it. I'll take at least some of this where you can create this parody for a 12-team playoff. It's going to make college football just that much more exciting for years to come. All right, the Bills are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. We'll talk to Ryan O'Halloran next. It's BetMGM Tonight.
0: It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.